Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Uh, well, it's a real uh, pleasure to be back at King's Church, Cambridge. Okay, well, if everyone wants to uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 1. By the way, for those who might, may be unfamiliar with what I was doing there, is uh, just practicing getting words of knowledge from the Lord. So things I wouldn't know uh, unless the Lord told me. And so there are a couple of things there, like Jane and that address that were that were off. But like we were saying yesterday, we prophesy in part. You're just got to keep on taking risks. And so I really encourage you, wherever you go, just to take risks. You know, just ask God, like, hey, Lord, like, you see somebody uh, on the street and you say, Lord, would you show me something about their life? Just like um, Phil was sharing about how he's at the bank, HSBC, and he, he had an impression that the lady behind the counter had lost her dad. And so he asked her, and it turned out it was her mom, but she was still deeply affected by it and so and really moved by the Lord. So I just encourage you to to really take risks wherever you go and Ask the Lord for the secrets of people's hearts because he really trusts you with them. He trusts you to uh, to show things about people's lives because he wants to really uh, show people his love. Amen. Okay, Hebrews 1. So uh, we're going to go to verse 9. I've got a question for you guys. Who who wants to be more like Jesus this morning? Anybody? Not, no, nobody. Is there anybody who doesn't want to be more like Jesus? No. Okay, verse 9. He's talking about Jesus. It says, but of the Son, he says, and we go to verse 9, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. This morning, I want to talk about what C.S. Lewis calls the serious business of heaven, which is joy. Jesus was anointed with more joy beyond any of his friends. Which is true because most of his friends are Christians, and he's definitely more joyful than a lot of Christians. You know, I I think that uh, when I when I look at Christians, I believe that we should be the greatest representative of Jesus that people have. When people people aren't always going to read the Bible, but they're going to read you when they meet you. And I believe that in order to represent God in an accurate way to the world, that we need to have His joy on the inside flowing out. I think sometimes we downplay joy. We think it's like just happiness, but joy is much more than that. Um, So this verse here, it says, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Do you know that it says in, uh, it says in Romans, no, 1 Corinthians, it says this, it says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So did you know that the kingdom of God, one third of the kingdom, is joy? You know, we have right standing with God. That's, our, that's the nature of the kingdom. It's righteousness. That you, because of the blood of Jesus, you've been made completely whole. You've made, been made completely right with him. And because of that, you can have peace with God. You know, we have peace with God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And also because of that, you can have joy in your heart. You know, before you met Jesus, you didn't have the ability to have true joy. Because 
True joy comes through having Jesus Christ in your heart. A few years ago, I was what you called a joy-impaired Christian. Has anyone ever been a, joy, a joy-impaired Christian before? Uh, you know, no, Tim, have you been a joy-impaired Christian? <laughs> Tim, Tim, look, Tim, my little brother here, for, is an example of somebody who carries a lot of joy, aren't you, Tim? Tim carries so much joy. And, you know, as we know, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, you've got the fruit, love, joy, peace, righteousness, all of those. And joy is something that comes from the inside and it comes out. You know, the Beatitudes, it's blessed is he, blessed. That word blessed is actually, another way to translate it is happy. That actually when you are blessed, you are happy. And this is actually, I think, one of the things is that too many people get put off of church and Jesus because they meet miserable Christians. And so, so I, might, I might kill a few sacred cows here this morning, but in the list of the fruit of the Spirit, seriousness did not make the cut. It was not like, and the fruit of the Spirit is dignity and seriousness. I tell you what did make the cut is joy. And I think sometimes we think, that somehow crying is more spiritual than laughter. Sometimes, you know, the Lord is moved, the Holy Spirit comes and somebody starts crying. And I've cried many times in God's presence. I, anyone here is prone to crying when, you know, God comes. I get emotional when, when God comes into the room. And, and, you know, we come down at the altar and there's repentance. And we're like, truly, brother, the Lord is among us. And then somebody start, starts laughing and it's the devil. It's like, Wow, because somebody's being happy in church, there must be some kind of demon. And it's really funny how we have this kind of reversed psychology on joy. But actually, it says that the joy of the Lord is, is our strength. You know, and sometimes the joy of the Lord is so deep in us Christians, it doesn't reach our faces. You know, it's like, I got joy deep, deep down in my heart, brother. It's like, you gotta, sometimes you've got to reach deep, deep down and, and bring it up sometimes. And so I wanted to illustrate this morning the power of joy. Joy is powerful. It's not just an emotion. Joy is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. He lives inside of your heart. And so I think, like, he says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Why is that? Because when you're happy, you're usually not tired. Have you noticed that? When you start laughing, ha, 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 has Ha, 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 yeah. I, I like a show of hands. Has anybody ever laughed themselves to sleep? I, I tell you what, there, there's, I won't give it, ask for a show of hands here, but there's definitely been times when people have cried themselves to sleep. And, but actually laughter and joy, and I say laughter because laughter is an expression of joy. And sometimes we don't feel joyful. Has anyone ever, any times they don't feel joyful? But fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so sometimes, you know, you wouldn't say, like, I don't feel like being kind today. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to be kind because that's the Christian thing to do. Well, I'd like to propose to you that actually God wants us to live in an intentional place of joy every day. Which 1 Thessalonians says that, you know, it says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in every situation, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So often, we, you know, as Christians, we can be a bit like, Lord, what's your will for my life? 
And we're like, do I take this job opportunity? Do I go to this nation? Do I marry this person? Do I do this? And God's like, this is the will of God. Be joyful, be thankful, and pray. That's sometimes, really, if you want to know the will of God for you is, are you being joyful? Are you rejoicing? To rejoice is to re-joy. So often, you know, if, if you want to rejoice, you've just got to start laughing. Honestly. Uh, some of you are like, okay, okay, let's, let's see this. It says this, it says in the Psalms, it says, you show me the path of life. And the next verse says, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. So I want to propose to you that when we get into the presence of God, he wants to fill us with his joy. But sometimes we've actually got to make a choice in our heart. Lord, I want to, I want to let you fill me with your joy because I want to be overflowing with this joy. You know, sometimes I don't feel like being joyful. I, I feel pretty miserable about my situation. Has anyone ever felt, felt a bit hopeless about their situation before? And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I don't feel like being joyful. I don't feel like counting it all joy, as James says. But in those situations, it's like I have to actually activate joy. And the way I do that is this. I go, ha, ha, ha. He, 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 ha, 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 he, he, he. And some of you are, oh, you know, I want to be real. You know, I, I want to, and I'm like that sometimes. I'm like, this situation's really bad. And it feels like the most unreasonable thing to do right now is laugh, you know. And, but actually, it actually says, you know, it's sometimes we don't feel like forgiving people, do we? I don't feel, sometimes, you know, stuff happens in the house, doesn't it? Yeah. And uh, I don't feel like forgiving, do I? But actually, Jesus commands me to forgive. And it's the same with joy. I don't feel like rejoicing sometimes. But I have to make that choice to step into joy. To say, Lord, even though I don't feel joyful right now, I know that joy is going to give me perspective that self-pity won't. You know, sometimes we get into a situation and we we start going into self-pity mode. Has anyone ever been there? I've definitely been there. It's the, oh, Lord, why me? Oh, Lord. And we start analyzing. We go into analysis paralysis, I call it. We start thinking through the situation, thinking that thinking will get us out of the situation. But actually, I believe that one of the most powerful tools is to start rejoicing over our situation. It says in Psalm 2, actually, let's turn to Psalm 2 because it's always good. To, to read it for ourselves. Who's got a real Bible with them this morning, with paper? Who's just got an iPhone with an app this morning? We're not judging. Um, Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And, you know, you may have situations where you feel like the enemy is plotting against you, that he's got it in for you, that the devil's chasing you down, that 
there's a lot of just spiritual warfare going on. And this is the Lord's answer. This is how the Lord responds to spiritual warfare. He who sits in the heavens laughs. That's what he does. He, he looks at what the enemy's doing and or trying to do, and he goes, ha, 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 That's the Lord's response. And I think that should be our response. When all the stuff starts to come against us, sometimes the default is worry and it's anxiety and it's panic. But we need to teach ourselves to know how to respond and not to react to the enemy. And one of our greatest tools against the enemy is joy. You know, I've been at a school of uh, supernatural ministry the past three years. I know it's a mouthful, it's a long one. Uh, over in Redding, California, at a church called Bethel. And, um, you know, one of the things I've had to learn is, you know, living by faith and trusting the Lord for finances. And there's definitely been times when I've been like, Lord, where's the money? Has anyone ever been in that one before? Lord, where's the money? And times I've been like really anxious and I've been praying to the Lord, like just completely like out of desperation. And then the Lord's provided in his grace. And my reaction afterwards has been joy, like, thank you, Jesus. And then I get to another time when I need finances. And my reaction when the need comes up is the same. Panic, anxiety, Lord, where's it going to come from? And still like the Lord comes through eventually. And then again, I'm joyful. But what if we started to celebrate before the breakthrough comes? Because sometimes we just, we say, you know, we only celebrate after the victory comes. We celebrate when it happens. But actually true faith is looking ahead and saying, I see it coming. I'm going to rejoice right now. You know, sometimes you don't always have control of everything going on in your life. Uh, sometimes I like to have control of everything going on in my life. Uh, but if you have kids here, you'll know you can't have control over everything in your life. Um, but I'll tell you what you can have control over, what's going on inside of you. You know, you don't always have control over what's going on outside of you, but you have a responsibility for what's going on inside of you. And so at, we as Christians, actually, we have this responsibility to look at when situations come our way, to look from heaven's perspective and have a response that's uh, from the Holy Spirit. And that response is joy. It's peace. It's choosing to rejoice even when those tough times come. You know, I heard a, a guy called uh, Bishop Joseph Garlington, amazing man of God. He said he, said, uh, he was in this situation where um, it was, you know, just one of those crazy situations. And he turns to his wife and he says, you know, this is going to be, one day we'll look back at this situation and we'll laugh. So we may as well start laughing now. <laughs> and so if it's funny later, it's funny now. And so that's a key that I've really learned is that, you know, I'm, I mean, the Lord's going to come through for me. So I may as well be happy while, while he is not coming through. You know, I may as well be optimistic. You know, I believe in this hour, the Lord's releasing an unreasonable optimism to the church. You know, we're, 
we're living in an hour where there's crazy things going on. It seems every time I go onto the news every week, there's been another attack or there's been another crisis. And But we as Christians have to live with a different perspective. We can't be singing the same song that the news is singing. Because often we, I, I find there's this danger that we, we can go on about what's going on in the world and call it discernment when actually we're just being a, th- we're being a thermos, a thermometer, but we're not being a thermostat. You know, we, we're saying this is the temperature of the world right now. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. But we're not saying let's change it. Let's declare what God wants to do. And so I want to encourage you this morning, even in your own life, and even as you're watching the news, to not come under that spirit of the age, which is a heavy spirit that says, it's getting worse, it's horrible. You know, there there is a thing where you don't want to be flippant and be like, it's all getting better, and I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit back and not do anything. But I believe there's this place where we have to come and, and be resolute that even though there's things going on, and it seems like the devil's on the move. I believe that God's on the move. And I can tell you that God is on the move. You know, if you go around the UK today, every, anyone heard what's going on in, in Reading, England right now? 2,000 people getting saved on the streets. Like, their, their greatest evangelist in this church in Reading is like a 12-year-old girl. She's seen, like, loads of people come to know Jesus. And often we can... We can make these word curses about our nation. We can say, oh, Britain's a dry place. Be careful because your words, in your words, in your tongue, is the power of life and death. And so we have a choice today. Like, Even when it's, our feelings are telling us we should be anxious, we should be scared, we should give in to fear. Even when our circumstances are saying we should be worried, we should be uh, depressed. We've got to make a choice in our spirit to say, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to celebrate. You know, radical celebration does something in the spirit. You know, when we start to take a step beyond what's comfortable, you know, sometimes I don't feel like dancing. Anybody uh, doesn't feel like dancing sometimes? You know, um, sometimes I wish my dad was less comfortable with dancing, you know. <laughs> like, Dad, you know, I think that's the flesh there. <laughs> that's lots of the flesh there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, sometimes actually the Lord calls me to... <laughs> yes, Tim. Sometimes the Lord calls me to dance, and it's actually something I don't feel like doing, but I need to do to break something open in the spirit. You know, when when David danced, he danced undignified. Like like my dad, yeah. You know, David, he was in his and and just, you know, I'm guessing you guys know this story, but it's that you know the story when they're bringing the ark to Jerusalem and David takes off his kingly robe and he's just got not much left. He's just got this this robe that but for a king that's like pretty much the equivalent of him being naked. You know, it's like very undignified. And he starts dancing before the Lord. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. And, you know, Michael says, you know, basically like scorns him in his heart, in in her heart. And she's barren the rest of her days. She has a mocking spirit. 
And I think sometimes we can come under a, a mocking, cynical spirit. And we've got to be careful with this, that we don't uh, come under that spirit because it's, you know, it's obviously not Jesus. You know? <laughs> we've got to come under that, the joyful celebration, that, that unreserved, undignified joy in every situation in life. You know, when it says, in his presence is fullness of joy, I think that fullness looks like something. You know, we all have different personalities, um, and I, I really appreciate that. I'm definitely the more kind of introverted, shy kind of person, as you can tell. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a very, very extroverted person, uh, and I love, you know, being around people. And, and But there's definitely people who are more, you know, reserved, and, and that's okay. Um, but I believe that joy should have an expression, no matter who we are. That joy, uh, that when we radiate joy, is actually attractive. You know, um, I actually, when I teach on evangelism, I have these core values. And I, uh, my core values are um, their power. You know, we need to display the power of God. Love, that we have a heart of love when we go out. Risk, we take risks. We, you know, we step out in boldness. Um, Honor, that we honor people. We're not, um, you know, if, if someone says, no, don't pray for me, we don't, you know, chase them down the street and say, you must let me pray for you, you know. And the last one is joy, because joy is a form of evangelism. I was once in my high school, and um, this guy, uh, he said to me, Matt, what are you on? <laughs> he said, what kind of drugs are you on? Because you're always so happy. And I said, Hey, let me tell you. <laughs> you said, you know, I, I found Jesus. You know, Jesus, he's better than any drug. He's better than any alcohol. You know, Jesus, when he lives in the, inside of your heart, he gives you true joy. And you know, when it says, you know, Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy beyond his companions, that's what we're meant to have in the world. We're meant to have the oil of joy more than the people around us. And, but there's certain things that can hinder that joy in our life. You know, there's a verse in Galatians. It says, uh, oh, Galatians, who has stolen your blessedness? Anyone know that one? Who's stolen your blessedness? And he's talking to them because they've, they've started listening to the, the religious guys saying, you've got to get circumcised in order to get into heaven. And one of the, like I mentioned earlier, one of the ways to translate blessedness is joy, happiness. Who has stolen your joy? And one of the major things that steals our joy is when we come under a religious spirit. And I don't mean in terms of like, you know, being, you know, often, uh, you know, people say, are you religious? And you say, yes, you know. I mean, like when we come under that pharisaical spirit that is all about your performance before God and you trying to earn his favor. And often as Christians, we can have this, is that we... And I was, this was why I was a joy impaired Christian, by the way, is that I was constantly feeling that one move I could make and God was going to be really angry at me. And so I, I lived in constant, like, just down depression. I, I was like living in this place where I was feeling like I was having to perform for God to earn his affection for me. And then one day, a friend of mine said this to me, he goes, Hey, Matt, you know that voice that you think is God's where it's constantly deriding you? 
that self-criticism that you keep on hearing. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, just try ignoring it for a week and see what happens. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And so I decided to stop listening to the, the actually what I discovered was the accuser of the brethren. Uh, and then I, I've, I found this really funny thing started happening. I started being really happy all the time. It was, it was really funny. It's, it's funny that when you stop listening to the devil, you start being more joyful. And so, and, and don't get me wrong, guys, there's a place for, you know, receiving, you know, the discipline of the Lord in our, in our lives, receiving correction from brothers and sisters as well. But if you're constantly living in a place where you're always like, oh, I'm getting everything wrong, oh, I, I want to suggest that just to, believe the good news that Jesus Christ has set you free from sin. He set you free from yourself, actually, because you died with Christ, and now you're raised with him. And so when we start to realize that God really loves us, you know, it says, uh, it's talking in uh, the Gospels when Jesus is baptism, he hears the Father saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus lived from that place every day. He lived knowing that his Father was so, so happy with him. He woke up in the morning and he woke up knowing, wow, the Father loves me so much. When we live from that place, it affects the way that we interact with people. It affects the way that we do life because we're not trying to earn people's affection all the time. We're not doing that compliment fishing that we like to do so much. You know, We're always living from a place of, wow, the Father loves me so much and I can share that love wherever I go. Um, So I want to encourage you today that God really wants you to live from a place of joy. And some of you have been told that you're too joyful, (laughs) that you're too happy, just a bit too happy for me. Uh, And I just want to tell you that that's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie from hell because Jesus was the happiest person around. He was the most joyful person around, and we're meant to be like him. Um, joy is a powerful weapon. With it, we, we dethrone principalities. We dethrone the, the strategies of the enemy in our lives through joy. When, when situations come that are kind of crazy, we, we have a choice to rejoice, you know? Joy is a choice. It's not just a feeling. Uh, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that lives inside of you. And I, one of the keys I've really learned, uh, coming to a close now, but is that joy, the only way to find real joy is in communing, communing with your Father in heaven. You know, I think it's time for the church to learn the joy in being lovesick with Jesus Christ. You know, it says, you know, in, in Song of Solomon, you know, that I'm lovesick. Uh, it says, you know, that he brought me to his house of wine. That's, that's, uh, that's what it, the literal Hebrew translation often it says in translations uh, to, my, to his banqueting table. The literal translation of house of wine. And what this actually suggests is that God's love is actually intoxicating. That's why we don't need 
all that other stuff to fill a hole in our hearts because God's love is enough. In fact, it's more than enough. And God's love produces real joy on the inside. And Jesus actually wants us to enjoy him. That when we come in worship, and again, everything I say, there's always a flip side. You know, I, I love those times in worship when it's like there's the holy fear of God. Anyone been in those kind of times where it's just like you're on your face? You know, it's like holy, holy, holy. You know, it's like there's angels all around, you know. Um, and you start singing those songs, you know. You start singing with standing on holy ground because it's just like those times of real awe of God. But there's also, I think sometimes we can come into worship with this feeling of unworthiness. And God's really not impressed with that because it's false humility. You know, sometimes we come in like, Lord, I'm so unworthy. I'm so unworthy. And we think it's, we think it's humility because it, it's degrading ourselves. But you're still focusing on yourself. And the reason I'm saying this is because when we come into worship, God wants us to take pleasure, to take delight in him and to receive his pleasure. But we can't do that if we're constantly focused on how terrible we are. You know, when we come into worship, we should be focusing on how amazing he is. You know, and uh, so I just want, you know, the truth is, is that you're a child of God. The truth is, is that you're his beloved, you're holy and blameless. And somehow we think it's really spiritual when we come into his presence to tell him that we're really unworthy and that we're a worm. But that's not really, really spiritual because that's disagreeing with what God thinks. And God thinks, you know, that all of this stuff may have been true when you were dead in your sin and your unrighteousness and even your righteous deeds were as filthy rags. But I tell you what, the cross did something. <laughs> you know, the cross actually... Who believes the cross actually did something? You know, I think sometimes, sometimes it's like we come to know Jesus and it's actually meant to be better afterwards. You know, it's like actually the cross, when he, when you said yes to Jesus, you died with Jesus. Your old self died with Christ. You are dead to sin and alive to God. And you were raised with him. You were resurrected with him. And now as he is, so is so are you in this world. That's what it says in First John. As he is, so are we in this world. So it's like that. So we have, may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we. Now, I don't think the father's saying to Jesus, Jesus, you are so unworthy. Jesus, you're such a worm. No, the father thinks that the most amazing things about Jesus, he sees him, Jesus is righteous, Jesus is holy, Jesus is blameless, Jesus is the apple of his eye. And you know what? We've come to share in Jesus' inheritance. So when we know that, when we really know who we are, when we really know what he's done for us, it will give us true joy. It will set us free from false humility. It will give us true confidence. It will give us that confidence in him that we know who we are and it gives us joy so when we come into this place of worship it's not like there's this heavy yoke on us that we're trying to earn god's favor try to earn his affection because you already have it because of the cross and and i'm all that to say that god wants joy deep down on the inside of you 
and he wants it to bubble up. Because when you know who you are, when you know that he's going to come through in your situation, when you know that he's greater than everything else going on in the world, you can have true joy. And joy is going to be attractive to the people around you. It's going to make people say, hmm, what is that? I was in work the other day. I recently um, I came back from the States at the end of May. And uh, I recently got a job at Nando's. Who loves a cheeky Nando's? Yeah, we love everyone. Everyone wants to be my friend now. They're like, "Do you get free chicken?" And I'm like, oh, "All of a sudden, everyone's calling to come and visit me in Cardiff. It's funny. It's like, yeah, uh, I, I love Nando's, and it's so funny. Um, you know, we live in South Wales, and um, I'll try my best at like a South Wales Valley's accent now. But my coworker goes, "You know your hair, Matt?" I'm like, "Yes, I know my hair. Yes," and uh, she's like. Is it because of Jesus Christ? Because I was wondering, because you know, because you're religious and all that, is it because you're doing it like to honor Jesus? I'm like, that is like the best thing I've heard all week. That like made my day. Like I was a bit stressed in my shift. I was like crazy. But that statement made my evening. But you know what? There's actually more to it because you look like Jesus, you know? You, you look like him. I know sometimes we're about, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want more of you. I want to be, I want to look like you. Um, walk like you, talk like you, you who who. Uh, as the famous Christian song goes. Uh, um, but actually, when you were born again, you were born again. You were born into his, I know, it's, it's, it's profound. You were, you were actually born into a new family. You know, that's why like Nicodemus is oh, good old Nick. He's hanging out with Jesus. He's like, but Jesus, like, how can I go back into my mother's womb? I'm, I'm like a grown man now. Like, this just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, Jesus is like, oh, you, you don't get it, mate. You know, and that's paraphrasing a bit. Um, but the essence of the gospel is, is that when you died, you were raised again, and you were born into his family. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You're part of his family's blood runs through your veins. So that when people see you, you look like your heavenly father. And we've got to believe this, that actually we look like him. And one of the ways we represent him is through joy. And so I've got some practical, I've got a practical activation for us. Uh, is always, I always like having a practical thing because sometimes you can receive so much teaching. But how many, you know, you know, Jesus said, you know, those who go and do it, these are the ones that their life shall be on a rock. And, uh, you know, um, I, I have a friend, uh, uh, his name's Kevin, Kevin Dedman, and he, uh, he talks on, um, you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And sometimes we can think self-control is um, is controlling our emotions so that we're, really, uh, you know, we're not showing much emotion, uh, which I, don't, I actually really think that's a complete misinterpretation of what self-control is. Self-control is actually like controlling your thoughts, controlling your habits, your appetites, your actions, that actually fruit of the Spirit is that you have control over your own life, that you're not like, whoops, I went and did that and did this. Your life isn't all over the place because actually through the Holy Spirit, you can actually have control over those desires that once overtook you. Uh, but often, you know, people think it's suppressing emotions. But in that case, I mean, it could easily be, you know, sometimes we don't feel like being joyful. But if you use some self-control, you can be joyful. So if you just imagine 
that there's a dial on your chest. And here it's off right now. This is called the joy dial. And you turn it up. The first stage, this is really profound. You've got to get this. It's called smile mode. And it's great. It's because when you smile, you actually, it sends endorphins that tells you to keep on smiling. It actually tells you that you're joyful. It's inter- it's, this is how the human body works. Is that It's like endorphins and serotonin that you actually, it tells you to feel happy. That actually God designed the human body that when you start smiling, it actually improves your emotional state. It's amazing. And then you turn up to the next one, which is laugh mode. When you start going, ha, 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 So the enemy starts knocking at your door. And usually it would be like, I, you know, I'd start, you know, either carrying a corner or I'll go into what I call emergency tongues. Anyone ever done emergency tongues? Not listening. But actually a great tool to use is, is laughing because that's what God does. And so when next time the enemy comes with accusation, the next time he comes and he's trying to steal your children away, the next time he comes and he's bringing, you know, whatever it is, just start laughing. Start going, hey, you don't belong here. Ha, 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 he, he, he. Uh, and then the, the last one is, is what I call party mode. You turn up to party mode and you just start celebrating, start dancing around your house. Start, start just, you, look what the Lord has done, you know, just, just start celebrating because when you, the devil hates celebration because he was the worship leader in heaven and we, we took his job. That's why he likes to shut us up from celebrating the Lord because we took his job. So, okay. This is something I did um, in in Brazil when I, I preached a similar message to this, and it, and this worked. Like the 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 outcome of this was that people felt more hopeful because <coughs> hope is here's a definition of hope, guys: is uh, the joyful expectation of good. That actually hope is something good is about to happen, and I'm really happy about it because fear is is that foreboding. Something bad's about to happen. <laughs> like, it's, it's getting worse and it's probably going to get even more worse. Actually, how about, like, the Lord has really great plans for me. How about the best is yet to come? So, here's our activation. I want you to hold out your hands like you've got a gift in your hand. But instead, I want you to picture that it, you've got, Think of the thing that's causing you the most stress <laughs> in your life at the moment. <laughs> oh, sorry, I, I just took a knowing look to my parents for a second. It's not them. Okay, they're, they're not causing me stress. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so imagine, you know, you've got a situation. And, and by the way, guys, you know, just want to make this disclaimer that you know, there, there is a real place in our life for, for, for mourning, for being real with God, for, for having a good shout at him sometimes. You know, Moses wasn't afraid to say, no, God, that isn't right. Or, you know, you know to have that argument with him because he was a friend of God. And so we have that right to be with God and say, God, like, what's going on? You know, we have that right to do that, you know, because God gives us that place in friendship with him. He's not, he's got big shoulders. So you can take it, you know. Um, but I, I believe that, you know, dominantly, like, we, we should be living from a place of hopeful expectation of joy. And so 
holding this situation in your hand, whether it's, you know, um, a financial issue or maybe, maybe even something in, in a relationship or uh, something that's just causing you stress, anxiety. And we're not going to analyze it. We're not going to say, like, you know, try and analyze what the enemy's doing. We're going to start for 20 seconds. This is a good start. I want us all to start belly laughing at this situation because joy is powerful. It's one of your weapons. Uh, it's something that is meant to be part of our life. Um, and if you ever feel like your joyometer is down, I would encourage you to feed on the promises of God in Scripture. Feed on them. Like, eat them with your breakfast. You know, you you got your cocoa pops and your croissant, and you're just there. You're going like, wow, like, they will feast on the abundance of his house. We, he will give them drink from the, his river of delights. Like, Lord, I just receive from that river of delight today. I don't want to drink from the river of misfortune or the river of depression. I want to drink from your river of delights. So I hope that was helpful. Uh, I want let, Let's pray. Uh, just ho- hold out your hands uh, before you. And I'm just going to ask that God would give an impartation today. Uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that joy is such an integral part of the kingdom. Lord, I just pray right now that you would fill people with your joy. Come, Holy Spirit that joy would bubble up right now. Yeah, Holy Spirit, come. In fact, just say just say this. Just say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me with your joy. Lord, I pray for unreasonable joy, Lord. Unreasonable. That when people look at us, when we're in the co-op, Lord, and we're getting our groceries, Lord, that people would say, why are you so happy today? Because I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got your joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, and I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.